So hi everyone, it's Hollister from Screen Thoughts and I am so excited for this podcast today because I have a bunch of girlfriends who came in from high school. We were into high school together. Yes, it was 45 years ago. Oh, <laughs> darn your face. I know. And we went to high school in, if you can believe it, Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, and all of our fathers worked at Ford Motor Company. And we came into New York to meet and sort of get together after all these years. And we went and saw Ford and Ferrari yesterday, which for us was like going back into our high school life for sure. And so I want to introduce um, Sandy Filoni, who's here, and she actually worked at Ford for 31 years. Isn't that right, Sandy? That's right, 31 years. And your dad was at Ford. What did he do? My dad was chief executive for automotive assembly division. He had a great job. He was big. Yeah. Yeah. He had a good job. Yeah. Good job. And like, I think that means that he was in charge of putting the things together. <laughs> he was definitely an yeah. engineer. That's yeah. for sure. And Barbara Andrin's here as well. And her dad, she showed us a picture of all <clears> of the people <throat> who put the Mustang together. He was involved in the, in the chassis for the Mustang filming, right? Yep. He was a product planning engineer. He's a mechanical engineer, right. and there were about eight engineers, I think, that didn't get the credit that they deserved because Iacocca got a lot of it because he was the, you know, the promo guy. And but that was just also his way. Right, <laughs> right. It, it was, was his way. It was his way. Quite well, yeah. yeah. And my dad was an executive vice president of Ford Motor Company, and his office was two doors down from... He used to call him HF2, Henry Ford II, and I would spend a lot of time on that 19th floor. Sandy delivered mail one summer to I did floor. deliver and mail. And I think all of our dads at one time had our their offices in that building. Yeah, yeah. well, my dad was, there. yeah, my dad was on the 19th floor. So I spent a lot of time up there. So for us to see this whole thing about how the Ford interaction in, intertwined worked really well. But first, we're going to talk about our experience with the film. And I wanted to start by saying a couple things about the film that are sort of interesting. If you look at James Mangold, who is the director of the film, he was very concerned about a number of things. And I told you guys this yesterday. For one thing, it's the GT40 that is the the car that's used in the racing. And the GT40, there's only 10 of them left or nine of them. I don't have the numbers right. But each one is worth about $110 million. And none of the people who owned them were willing to let the film use them. But he knew he had to have a real one or he wasn't going to be able to do the film. He felt it was that important. So he found this guy in Ohio who had taken old parts and built a full car from old parts. And what he did was he called that guy. And that guy's all in. Like, you want, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, how, much? how much? Exactly. So the Ford GT that you see that's in there, the GT40, is an actual Ford GT40 from the time, but it's not one of the full cars. It was production built by extra line. parts. Yeah. yeah. Well, because her dad was, they all know about production. So anyway. But the other thing is we see a lot of the Ford executives and we mm-hmm. see, you know, we call them now suits. And of course, there's only one woman in the whole film. It's the wife of the driver, Ken Miles, who's played by Christian Bale, who has just Fabulous. been yeah, nominated for uh, he was awesome. a Golden Globe. Yeah, he played that okay. part well. She she did well with what she had, Molly, the wife. Yeah, she, you know? oh, I thought, she was formidable. I thought she was amazing. Yeah. She was a great driver. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a couple things to note. So when you see the film, the film is about when Henry Ford II, HF2, we're going to refer to him heretofore from, uh, Ford was really starting to drop in the standings. And, you know, this is, you're talking about the mid-60s, which is really right after World War II when Ford 
could say that he had a huge impact on whether we won the war or not. And they're starting to fall, and he decides, okay, Iacocca's right, we're going to start building a race car, and we're going to improve our image, etc. Tries to buy Ferrari, who puts him down, but also insults him in his integrity and his largeness as well. And it's a really interesting story, and it, it's based on fact. It's absolutely based on fact. But two things are left out that are sort of critical. And one is that the entire thing is really based on Miles and what a great race car driver he was, and he was, and he made it to the Hall of Fame and, you know, a great race car driver. But the truth was all three Ferrari cars in that first year, they dropped out. The cars fell apart. It was not as much the driver as it was the cars fell apart. And interestingly enough, the Ford cars was far superiorly built to the Ferrari car. So it really was a feather in the cap of Ford Motor Company that they overtook in a very short, in a less than a year time, they overtook the great Ferrari. And Ferrari trying to keep up with those cars is why all three of their entries broke down. So that's number one, which is sort of important to, he doesn't focus really on that, you know. Yeah, and I also think that it was appropriately named Ford versus Ferrari, meaning car versus car versus driver versus driver. Right. Because to your point, Ken Miles, as they say, was the best driver that day because, mm-hmm. and that can happen obviously anytime, but yeah, that's right. a point well taken. And also, we have to go to, Wired did a great article about the overlooks the best part of the racing rivalry. And one of the things that they say, I'm going to quote them here, the making of the GT40 was a years-long effort that started with serious work by a British engineer, mm-hmm. Eric Broadley, and he involved using dynometrics, which who knows what the hell that is, to abuse engines until they blew. And then they'd find the fix for why it blew, and then they'd do it again. And they kept doing that, which is what led them to be able to create this car stronger than the Ferrari. So, And then this guy, um, Mose Noland, none of these two people I've ever heard of, but the he jetted between Detroit and North Carolina and California, fixing leaks on the cars with trout fishing line just before they went back to France. I mean, he... They were putting this together with fishing wire. Right, and duct tape and hammers. (laughs) Crazy, crazy, crazy. (laughs) So it was amazing. And then, of course, Ford took the next six years in racing against Ferrari. But Ford should be credited. The film is about people racing each other and people trying to get along with each other. And it's also about people inside a huge, you know, titanic type of corporation like Ford Motor Company versus creative people like the fabulous Shelby. So... So they focus more on the people, but in reality, you also have to look at the actual engineering, et cetera, of the car, which, you know, cannot be, cannot be ignored. But what did you guys think? Did you, you love the film, not just because it was from our neighborhood, yeah, but because it's a wonderful story. It is a great story. I had made a comment when we first sat down that Matt Damon cast as Carol Shelby was just brilliant. I mean, I think Christian Bale is very good. Well, he's fabulous. He's more than good. But that's a that's a part that I easily saw him playing because who Matt Damon you mean no Christian Bale okay. I saw him cast he's more because and he is and he is a take charge kind of you know he's got that but Matt Damon for me has always played the good guy the um I mean he's just and he is a, guy. And he is yeah. a good guy yeah. and so for him to be in a role where you know he finally and I, to your point of, with Ford Motor Company. He found the way to go around 
and get to the guy he needed, which was Henry Ford II, and got what he needed, which was basically a blank checkbook, you know, and that's what he needed. He was like, I have the guy to drive it, and I have the knowledge to build it. I just don't have the money. So you give me the money, and we'll make it happen. And, and I just thought he was brilliant. It's, it yeah. was a great story. Well, the other thing is Christian Bale is so damn good that I, what I think is one of Matt Damon's best performances is a little bit overshadowed because Eclipsed. you just can't take your eyes off Christian Bale's yeah. when he's on there. So. So, yeah, but kudos to both of them for the nod for, you know, the Golden Globe, and I wish them well. But the other thing is, I'm a girl. I'm, I'm saying myself in a girl. When that first starts and you're seeing all these vroom, vroom, vroom <laughs> racing carts going, it's like, oh, please don't make me sit through two and a half hours of this. You don't even notice it. Yeah. And, you know, Barbara said yesterday, it was the second time she and I both saw it because Sandy hadn't seen it. We all went together. It just flew by. It, it was much quicker the second time, and mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because I knew what was going to happen, and so I didn't have that nervous anticipation. So I could turn, like, nervousness into enjoyment. I mean, I already I don't want to give any spoilers. You know, it, it doesn't change the outcome of the movie, but I, I picked up a lot of things I didn't get the first time. And, and little subtle things, especially, like, to the being a woman thing or back in the day, my dad worked there. His secretary was Eleanor Palazzolo, was the secretary forever and ever. And if anybody's seen Madman, I mean, that's... My dad was a good guy, so he wasn't up to Don Draper shenanigans. <laughs> but Barbara, you're just mentioning about lack of women at Ford and everything else. But the other thing we have to also acknowledge, I mean, we're women, so we're looking for a mirror of ourselves. There wasn't one man of color no. Anywhere to be found. Yes. And not only that, they weren't even in the shops, the, uh, the auto shops. There were no people of color There was all. one named Richard that worked somewhere where my dad was because he used to come on the weekends and would, would do yard work. Well, there were dad. people of color. I mean, you know, that, but drivers or whatever. Far but but you're going to notice in this film, and we as women noticed there were no women mm -hmm. characters, but... But in general, there were no people of color at Ford. Now, you were at Ford 31 years. What would you say the ratio is? I would say it's probably, I mean, I'm guessing, but I would say maybe 10%, maybe 15 But I will say that Ford has done, I think, a really good job in the last several years of doing a better job of promoting and putting people of color in positions that are truly you know, management making a difference, you know, on a daily basis. I work with a couple of, and they're, you know, I, I think that's much better. To answer your question, I think it's much, much better than it was. They've got a long way to go. I think that, and it's, but to your point, now I look at it as not only people of color, but a diverse workforce. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Force Headquarters is in Dearborn. And that is a very big Muslim community in Dearborn. And I haven't been there now myself for the last 10 years, but in talking with friends that are still working there, they're hiring. And I mean, they're doing, they're mm -hmm. trying to do the right thing. Well, and, you know, it's a big, huge, it's like the Titanic versus a jet ski. Yeah. You know, most of the companies now, the tech companies, et cetera, they start out as jet skis. They right. can go anywhere they want and there's nothing holding them back. And then you have the Ford Titanic, IBM Titanic. You have those old, you know, Fortune 100 companies that are really becoming archaic. Yeah. And, and that's one of it. But I did think, all I noticed is there were no women. So yeah. I can't even imagine, you know, it's interesting. If I were a person of color, I would have said there were no people of color in this mm -hmm. film anywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nowhere, nowhere. The other thing is, I had a Cougar XR7 convertible with air conditioning. I know. You were the envy of the high school. I know. My dad, my dad was a 
the product plunging engineer for the Cougar, but my mom had one, but I never. Well, and not, she but had see, a fancy ass one. Well, the, the <laughs> funny one that I had was nobody had air conditioning and a convertible. If you had a, first of all, there wasn't a lot of air conditioning in 1969 right. in cars anyway. But so they were testing this out. And I remember on hot days, we would put the top down and we'd jack up that air conditioning. Ah! And drive around just for the fun of it because mm-hmm. we were cool and we could be outside, you know. And I will say that being a Ford girl, meaning we took for granted that oh. everyone had a new car every year. There wasn't a car older than a year anywhere to be found in our parking lot at our high school. Well, I'll tell you something because I still live in, you know, the auto industry or, the, you know, the <clears> auto <throat> world. And um, you don't see very many old cars in, not like in, in, in you Wisconsin, don't. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, like I said, right in Metro Detroit, I mean, it's it's just auto mecca and they're always willing to buy you out and put you in a new one. So, you know, you start, you know, I'm driving my little five-year-old vehicle thinking, wow, I better get up with the times here. So it still is. I mean, it's just an automotive world where I come from. It is still an auto. Yeah, and you're here in the middle of public transportation where, you know, I would be curious just to ask you if you have any idea, like, how many people don't even have a driver's license because they just take public transportation. How many people don't have a driver's license? Well, my daughter, for example, she got, you know, she grew up in New York City. If that girl has put a 1,000 miles on a car with her driving it in 15 years, it's a lot. There, that's, and that's yeah. what I meant, comparing. Yeah. No, we, the minute we got our license at 16, we lived oh, we in were, our cars. Yeah, yeah we, we, we did, were did. Our way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Christian Bale, he's up for uh, a Golden Globe. Phenomenal. Yeah, well, but Matt Damon did not get a nod. Oh, and, I, you know, I think I gave my opinion when we were, after we had left the movie. I think that Christian Bale's character made that movie. I mean, the way he was treated, the way he was, you know, opinions were formed immediately by the execs at Ford Motor Company. And Matt Damon, who I just adore, and I had said previously, he was a perfect Carol Shelby because Mm -hmm. that was his demeanor. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a very get the job done, but he wasn't a bull in a china shop. And, And I think Maybe Matt's character, you know, maybe he was overlooked because of that, because he made yeah. so many other people in that movie look so good mm-hmm. that it was just kind of... Yeah, but, I, you know, it, it goes to show, I mean, anybody who listens to Screen Thoughts knows that I am not a fan of the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. which is made up of close to 70% men. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think, you know, if you look at the Golden Globes, there's not one woman director that's nominated this year. But a lot of their movies are nominated for Best Film. How can you recognize somebody as Best Film and the director has nothing to do with it? I mean, hello. Yeah, so, I mean, all of, I, I take these all with a grain of salt. But number one, I think Christian Bale, see, it's hard. If you're the only one nominated for a film of this stature mm-hmm. and it didn't get a nod for Best Film, it didn't get a nod it for... It didn't? Any, no. Oh my God. Only one. That makes it very awkward for him because here he is. These things are all very collaborative and people always say we were a team. We did it all together. And here's Christian Bale sitting there by himself being nominated. He, I project that he will for the next month before the Golden Globes be very quiet about it because 
he will be somewhat embarrassed that he's the only one who got the nod, you know. So I do think that is a travesty that it yeah. did not receive any other yeah. um, nominations because, oh. as we say, it, this is one Two you don't want to miss. Hours and twenty minutes, and you were not never for one it, second. It and anybody was, could go see it. It's yes. a, and I yes. agree, Barbara. It's a movie that I think anyone would enjoy. Male, female, kid, grown up. It's just fun. Now the other and poignant. The other aspect I wanted to point out about it is. You can't call it one thing or another. There was great comedy in this. Oh, there was there comedic was. timing in, in the dialogue. Mm. There was action comedy, you know, when they're, you know, doing things to the Ferrari group, you know, at the racetrack, etc. Great comedy, great drama, and everything we talked about, you know, it's all, it was all about relationships. It was about a, a husband and wife relationship. It was about a dad-son relationship. It was about friendship. It was about business relationships. There's not one relationship that wasn't covered substantially in this film and I think that's one of the reasons it was so great is there was so much going on and the fact that there were all these subplots going on and this director and writer were able to layer them in without you getting confused or like the transitions were seamless it was brilliantly done and I can't believe it didn't get no. I know. And the subplots, like, I think I mentioned after we saw the movie, the, the Josh Lucas character who played B.B., who was like the Titanic guy sneaking around, you know. He was a good, bad guy, you know. And Well, the writers are saying he wasn't quite as bad in real life as he was portrayed. Yeah. But what you're bringing up brings to mind something also very interesting. As a young girl, I would, you know, I would go to the office with my dad and I was 15 and you know, he was an icon in my eyes. Here we were going to the glass house that was, you know, 19 stories high, and his office was a couple doors down from HF2. And what I wanted to say is I thought he was really great. Like, I thought my dad was really fabulous. And I can't imagine Bibi's daughter. Just, yeah. you know, he, I know he had one daughter who was about our age. I can't imagine she goes to this movie and here she is growing up like I did thinking, and you guys have all said your dads were fabulous, everybody loved them. Here we are 45 years later and Bibi's kid goes to the movie and says, oh my God, you know, it's a moment. Yeah, you know, back to your comment about relationships and, and there were, you touched on a lot of them, but I think the biggest relationship or the most important for me or what I took from the movie was the true friendship between Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. I mean, yes, he thought he was the best guy to help build the car. Yes, he thought he was the best guy to drive the car. But at the end of the day, without giving the movie away for those of you that haven't seen it, the end of the movie for me, just put it all in perspective of what was really important. And he really went to bat for his friend over and over and over. And I just think, especially in the climate right now. His friend, well, he did, but, yeah. but my point, at, that's why I say at the end, he found a way to bring it all back. And well, I just I thought think it what was. It, a, I think what it also shows, the friendship part that meant so much to me was that there's a, the, I can't remember which, who was the Roman philosopher who said that, but he said there's three levels of friendship, you know, and the first level is you become friends because you have a common denominator. So you will both work at Ford. Mm -hmm. So you have lunch together and your friends there. Okay, then what happens is the second level of friendship is you take it outside the common denominator. So you go to dinner after, so you go to work, mm -hmm. whatever, you become friends. But the third level of friendship is when you've had a problem and you end up still being friends. Mm -hmm. And usually when you have a conflict like we see in this film between the two of them, 
usually you part and you don't come back together as friends. Mm -hmm. But the best level of friendship is when you know that you can go through difficult times and still come out and on work the other it side out together. Eventually. Yeah. And so for me, that was a perfect example of the Romanesque kind of mm -hmm. thing of friendship that, that is so important for people. I mean, I know I have friends that go back, you know, 50 years and we have had difficult times and we've had great times. And I know that it won't matter if, we have a fight, you know, it's going to come out the other side. Right. Although Eventually it all Yeah, although works. I will say, according to Gail and Oprah, they've never had a fight. I'm not sure I buy that. But. I don't buy that. Don't they've been camping yeah. together. I don't buy there's no fights. Well, so I saw them driving cross country, and she was really irritating. <laughs> they were both irritating to each other. And I'm like, yeah, you can guys talk about that. I think they... Under it all, they always want the best for each other. And yeah. I think that what Shelby and Miles had was both of them wanted the best for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Did it Carol was... Shelby have a family? Uh, yeah. Because that, that was an interesting thing. There was no mention, no take, no nothing of his. In, in... Well, I think, again, without giving away the movie, I think the story that was yeah. told yeah. here, though completely encompassed the racetrack right. and the car and how they got to where they were. And while Molly, Ken's wife, was a big piece of it right. because of the situation, I think you didn't see the yeah. home life of they had Carol. To trim. Well yeah, yeah. Well, I mean it was a different it was a different story track, yeah, but it was great. I, I can't tell you. You got I gotta see it it's again. It's a chick flick that you don't expect it to be because no chick flick is watching car racing, you know. And, well my um, daughter my when my daughter was in Las Vegas the last time she they did that hire a, yeah, they she drove those. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Anyway, so thank you all. What fun it was for us to go back to our high school on the screen at a reunion in New York City at, you know, a big theater there. It was a pleasure to watch it with you guys. It was really fun. I think yeah. that made it even more special. Yeah. Like I said earlier, you know, the scenery just like took me back because oh. same to your point, you know, I could see dad's secretary Marge sitting at yeah. the desk that the yes. woman was sitting at and they looked exact. I mean, that was true footage from world headquarters. Oh, and the doors. I remember yeah. those yeah. doors. The dark wood. In the yeah, absolutely. The, the carpet yeah. sunk when you got off the elevator, you know, and Henry Ford's a... office, which I've been in was like a, a one bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of rooms mm -hmm. and there was a lot going on and a lot of places to sit down. So never complain, yeah. never explain. And Isn't Matt, I am said? so sorry, Matt, because you know what? In Goodwill Hunting, I thought you got screwed too. Robin Williams got nominated and won an Academy Award. And again, his performance overshadowed yours, even though you elevated his performance. Yeah. And here you are again. But I want you to know you have a Golden Globe from me. I agree. Yay. That's why I say yep. he makes everybody he works with better. look yep. so much better. Yep. Yeah. So you go. Yeah. All right, Matt. We'll send you a dozen roses <laughs> and thank you for your yeah, help. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd probably rather have chocolate, but okay. Okay. Well, maybe a box. <laughs> Candinas. Okay. Thanks, everybody. See you uh -huh. next week. Okay. Bye-bye.